We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In church lately, certain miracles that Jesus did have had the spotlight. And rightly so. The miracles Jesus did stand out as a powerful demonstration, a proof of where he came from, who he was, why he was here. But we should realize that these were not the thing that would save us from our sins. No, it wasn't a miracle that would put Jesus on the cross or help him to live a perfect life. He would use other qualities that he had as God. Top of the list for me would be his steadfast love, unswerving, keeping him on track in spite of all the difficulties that he would face. He would also use his holy nature to do what we could not, resist every temptation and stay completely loyal to his heavenly father. It's quite something to think about the fact that the all-powerful God did not use any of his powers to do the very hard part of our redemption. The all-glorious Lord would not insist on his rightful glory, but would do the opposite. He would come all the way down to live this unique human life under God's commandments with no special privileges, even though he was God the Son, no earthly conveniences like you and I get to have, no shortcuts, no cheating, as Pastor Schaller has put it. Well, as the Bible lays this out, the New Testament record, the true life and story of Jesus Christ, every moment was observable. Jesus did not do his work in secret. His Messiah mission was out in the open with plenty of eyewitnesses. When he did the miraculous or preached the good news, there were hundreds, even thousands at times, to watch, listen, and be amazed. We notice especially 12 men in prime position to see and hear just about everything Jesus did during this three-year window leading up to his ascension. Now, we will consider the eyewitness perspective of the gospel in these opening verses of 1 John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. We were there, John says. He and the rest were there to hear him teach with authority. They saw him heal sick people so comprehensively and cast out demons so decisively and even raise dead people like Lazarus. They exclusively had a privilege of being able to handle, put hands on, the risen 
Savior. All right, good for them, I guess. But there is a point to it. There is a result here. Because of these direct eyewitness encounters, they were absolutely convinced of what they would testify to people and write about as the apostles of Christ. Well, that testimony is coming through to us here in the New Testament, which opens up like a window through which we see Jesus using the eyes and the ears of the apostles. We can watch him in action, hear him preach, and be convinced by the same spirit of the same truth, all that he did for us and more. This gospel of our Bible is kind of like a delivery service from heaven bringing you the very important benefits of having Christ. John mentions two, two benefits. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. First off, let's notice the important benefit of having a lasting relationship with God. The text calls it fellowship. And that includes fellowship with God based on the solid ground that Christ has wiped all of our sins away. There's nothing between you and your Heavenly Father, to get in the way. You get to relate to Him personally and together every day and in every need with the expectation of constant blessing from God based on His trustworthy promises and His boundless grace. On the basis of that relationship, you also get to have a joy that becomes full Complete. Now I'm guessing here that joy makes you think of happiness. But the two aren't quite the same. You can think of joy as permanent happiness. Which escapes so many people because they look for it in the wrong places. We have the same problem, don't we? Happiness based on the usual. Things like fun, excitement material things, human accomplishments, all of that is so fleeting. It comes and it goes. It can be ruined by so many things. However, if we can get our happiness put right on top of the spiritual things already mentioned, well, that kind of joy has the staying power to go right through every adversity that we might face and last forever. As Christians, you and I are learning to base our happiness on the truth that Jesus gives us eternal life so certainly, so undeservedly. Let your happiness derive directly from your identity as God's dear child and the fact that God gives your life in Christ such tremendous value. Add to that, you having a very noble purpose here on earth, as his witnesses in the tradition of the apostles, we could even say. And one more thing. You having the kind of permanence that will outlast 
the world itself. We pray. Dear Lord, make our joy complete in Christ through the certainty of faith on the solid ground of your truth, which you create and sustain in our hearts. Amen. We'll close this morning with hymn 358. We'll sing the first four stanzas. Stanzas one through four, hymn 358.